0: Family. family. Oh, I love that. That's a a little music video opener from one of my favorite artists, uh, Drew Holcomb, talking about all about family. It's so good to be with you uh, here uh, this morning. Wherever you're worshiping from here or wherever you might be worshiping with us from online, it is so good to have you here. I am so excited to talk about the power of family this morning with my good friend. Welcome Julian Desmute to the stage as well. Give God praise. You bet. (laughs) Excited to uh, co-preach together today on a very important topic, family. Now family is messy, family is beautiful, family is a beautiful mess that God has given us. And we're here today to talk about the power of family. I love the line in that song, family baptized in the water. That is what we just experienced together. Of the many things that little Noah just experienced is he's welcoming, being welcomed in to God's family. Family, put me on the map. And Noah, buddy, you are on the map, man. Welcome to God's family. Praise God. Absolutely. Family a beautiful mess. And we're going to talk to you about that today. We wanted to get that in your head a little bit because we're not just talking about family in an earthly sense, but in a much bigger sense, the family that you're a part of right now, the people that you're sitting next to right now, that whether you realize it or not, you are related. Of all the ways that we describe church, we looked at this a few weeks ago, right after Easter, Jesus comes back from the dead and there's all these people that are witnesses to the resurrection and they're followers of Jesus. The church hasn't officially started yet and of all the ways that the church could be described is that you could say if you just look at the early church and we challenged you to put away all of your preconceived ideas, all of your assumptions, maybe what you were handed growing up or all these ideas of what you want the church to be, our opinions and our agendas... If you just take God's word as it comes, you would see and you'd look at this church in the book of Acts and you'd say, Well, they're, oh, sorry, go back one slide. They're a family of missionary disciples. There are people that have been set on fire with the love of Jesus Christ. They can't help but share. They can't help but invite other people in. And they start to relate in a way that they are family. And that is the way that the church is described not as a church service, not as a building, not as a denomination, not as a pastor. But as family, God's people on a mission. Paul picks up on that right away in the book of Ephesians. Let's read this one together Ephesians chapter 2. You've had your coffee, you've had your breakfast, you're ready to go. We're expecting big things. Let's read it together. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. You are a family. Not like family as the church, try to get along and deal with each other. Put up with each other for an hour a week. No, you are family. This is who you are. You are related to each other. How do we know that? Paul keeps right on going in the book of Romans. Let's look at this from Romans chapter 8. Let's read it together. You received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit To affirm that we are God's children. You are God's children. We are God's children, which means we're brothers and sisters. Just humor me for a second here. Turn to the people next to you. Look at them really awkwardly right now and say, Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Tell them that. Turn around. Look at the people around you. Hey, brother. Hey, sister. Hey, brother. Now, some of you, depending on your background of family, are thinking, oh no, my family at home is weird enough, and now you're telling me I've got a few hundred more odd people to call family? Yes, you do. Well, it wasn't weird until you got here, but that's another sermon. So we're really glad that you're here, and we're really glad that you're a part of God's family. Not just family, but you're adopted. Do you see what Paul said? You've been adopted as his own children. One of the things I love about our church is the number of families that have adopted Kid, maybe you're one of those this morning. And here's the thing. When God says you're adopted, that means that there is not one person in this room today that is here because we earned it. There's not one person that's a part of church this morning or that's a part of God's congregation here at Hope Elam that, that is here because we're good enough or we've done something to earn it. It's what I love about baptism. Noah's parents love him unconditionally. And the same is true of your heavenly father. God says to you this morning, I want you I choose you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you, Jesus says to be my followers, to be a part of my family. You belong. And over the last year, we've become a new family here at Hope Elam as well. Some of you sooner uh, than others, some of you just recent here, have become a part of this family. We're an imperfect family, but boy, are we a different kind of family. Because regardless of what you see out there in the world, you're a part of this family, not because of where you've been, but because of where we're going. Amen? That we're following Jesus, okay? this is the kind of family that we're a part of. You are a part of this family, not because of who your earthly father was or who he currently is. You are a part of this family, all of us, because of who our heavenly father is. Amen? Amen. Regardless of where you've come from or the color of your skin or where you live or what your church background is, you belong here. You are a part of God's family where love wins out over hate. And I say that this morning because if you've read the news, if you've viewed the news or scrolled through it all, you know there's another tragedy in Buffalo, New York yesterday. A shooting that we, for all intents and purposes, is racially motivated. And we talk about this today and we're not goofing around. The reason that Julie and I prayed about this, like family, this could not be a more crucial message. The world is desperate for that. The world is desperate for a love that overcomes hate. And the only power, the only power that we have so that we don't ever have to have one of those tragedies again is to pray and be desperate for Jesus. Amen? That's what we're about as a church. And so we grieve with those families that have lost loved ones. We, we pray and we mourn prayer and action are not mutually exclusive things. Prayer is the most active thing that you could do. To call on the name of the one that can change our nation, that can change hearts, that can change hearts that are filled with racism, the only way that's going to happen is the power of Jesus. And so we pray and we mourn with those who mourn, we speak up when we see injustices, we call it out, and we are people of action right here in our community. If there is any more evidence that we need of why what God is doing here at Hope Elam matters, it's this. Do we need one more proof? What God is doing here is so incredibly important. And I believe that's why you keep coming back. Because we're not a perfect church. We're far from it. And yet you keep coming back and, and, and new people keep coming. Because you, there's something that God is doing here. And it's not really about us. It's about what his spirit is doing here. People keep coming and, and, and coming. And I believe that many of us, we're going to run around our entire adult lives looking for family. And we want to find it in sports or hobbies or clubs or social activities. And all those things are good. The one thing they can't do is satisfy your soul. And I believe that when the church is at its best, that it is a place of radical belonging and radical mission. I believe that every single person is looking for a place to belong and for something bigger to be a part of. And you can look around your whole life, but you're never going to find it because God's plan A and his only plan is the local church. That's what's going to satisfy your soul is being a part of that kind of a family. When the church is at its best, that's what it looks like. I've heard this said, if you go to the next slide, that anybody, anybody can attract a crowd. You can throw an event, you can go to a sporting arena, anybody can attract a crowd. But few can truly build a family. And that's what we're after at Hope Elam. This matters because how we relate to each other will ultimately determine our effectiveness for the kingdom. If we can't love each other well as family in here, what good is it to export it out there? Amen? So how we love each other, how we relate to each other as family, is going to determine our effectiveness, and it starts by understanding our identity. Paul says, you are loved, you are chosen, you are adopted, you, are, you belong here, you have an irreplaceable role to play in this family, whether you believe it or not. And I wonder if Christian maturity is in how many Bible studies you've attended, I wonder if Christian maturity isn't how long you've been coming to church. I wonder if Christian maturity isn't how much you can quote scripture. That's great. So can our enemy. I wonder if Christian maturity isn't believing who God says you already are and learning to live like it's true. Amen? To be sons and daughters. That's what God challenges us with. The problem is a lot of us don't. We have a diluted version of family. See a couple jars of water up here one is crystal clear this is that image maybe illustrating the vision of family and relationships that God that we just painted that God desires for all of us but if we're honest a lot of us when I talk about spouses kids family friends relationships it looks a little bit more like that it's nasty I don't know what's going on in there there's some things floating it doesn't look good at all and if you were to drink this it would leave a bitter taste in your mouth Same could be said of some of our relationships, right? This represents the wounds, the baggage, the broken relationships, and consequently the walls that you and I put up when it comes to relating to people. And the reason we're talking about family today is that what we'll do is that you and I come into a church and we so desperately want this, but what we don't realize is that when every time we step inside these walls, we bring this. Every single one of us with an imperfect track record of relationships wherever you go you bring your story with you wherever you go you bring your story with you and all that comes with it and what we do then is we subconsciously start to live out our old ways of relating when we're trying to be a part of God's family subconsciously we just start to do these things but here's the good news for us this morning you may be a product of your past but you do not have to be a prisoner of your past and there's a big difference between the two amen that's not who you are anymore so God says this is the vision perfect absolutely not this side of heaven but purified yes how do we get there it starts with awareness of our story take it away brother And you're
1: probably wondering, how does, a, how does one trade this glass, this life, for this one? It's changing the filter. Many of us go through our lives, living our life through the filter that was passed down to us from our family. the pain, the struggles the generational curses. And what happens is we start to build a life through this. And we wonder why we can't stay married. Wonder why we can't break that addiction. Wonder why we can't get past this negative mindset. It's because of the filter. And what I love about God's word is he gives us a new filter, a new lens where we can live our life through. A lens that has light instead of darkness. That offers healing instead of hurt and pain. A life that is abundant instead of a life full of lack. A life that offers forgiveness. Oh my gosh. Instead of bitterness and shame. If you're wondering in your life, why do I keep having them, having these bad things happen to me? God offers us to change the filter. So here you're gonna see a couple of things of what these filters represent. The clean filter is love, joy, being healed, grace, peace, humility, and faith. The bad filter is hate, bitterness, hurt or pain, jealousy, pride, resentment, and selfishness. God wants to change the filter in your life. If you want to see a different result, you have to do something different. Many of us go through our lives and we cry out to God, please change my situation. And God says, I did. I'm trying to give you the filter. Many of us, come on, here, yeah, clap for Jesus. Because many of us go through our lives saying, I don't need the word. I don't need to be in it that much. I know Jesus. Do you? Does your life reflect Jesus? How can it reflect this if you got this? Growing up, I've been through a lot of struggle and pain and hurt. And when you're dealing with a lot of hurt, the first thing you want to do is run away from it. You start to build this new life any way that you feel like you need to build it. And many of us think that we're running the world, but really what we're doing is we're running away from our pain. We're running away from our past, and so we build this life. And as we're leading, we're bleeding on people because of this. That's why we could get into a relationship and squander it. Because sometimes there is still residue from the dirty filter that God has been trying to exchange. And you see this in a few stories here in the next slide of the prodigal son. And I don't know about you guys, but I've been a prodigal son for show. I have. Where I was already in a good place but decided I wanted to do things on my time. wanted to do things my way. So I decided I'm just going to go out there into the world and just live my life. The story of the prodigal son, he leaves his father, which is God, if you guys know the story. And I'm not going to read it all because I don't have enough time, but there is so much meat in it. It really is. But he leaves, takes the inheritance, he leaves and he goes out, spends all this money on while living. He gets to the point where he loses everything because there's a famine that came into the land. And then he's looking at the pig food, and he's like, man, that looks fire. He got to the point where he realized that where he was before was better than his situation. How many times, oh my gosh, how many times have you left something that was good, but it took for you to leave to realize what you had? See, and when he came back to the father, this is beautiful, he repented, and the father saw him far off. The Bible says, and then he ran to him. See, that's what the gospel does. It meets you where you are. It doesn't force you to do all these different works to get back. It just meets you where you are. When you repent, God can give you grace. See, that's the old covenant and the new covenant, as we see it here in the wedding to Canaan. They had this beautiful, beautiful wedding. Jesus and the disciples are invited. But they run out of wine because you guys never been to a party and they ran out of some of the good stuff. You're like, bro, that's why I didn't want to come. But that's a beautiful thing about having Jesus in your life. So when you thought it was over, oh, my gosh, when you thought that when you thought you were to the end of your rope, all of a sudden God comes through and he does a miracle. He gives you a new life. He gives you a new cup of wine. And it's better than the old. See, the gospel is all about letting you know that the old covenant was good. Oh, yeah, 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 it was good. You just couldn't do it. So let me give you a filter, Jesus. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. Let me give you a filter. His name is Jesus, the gospel. And let me give you something even better than what you had. Some of us feel like you're stuck in a prisoner to your past, and we bring that into our families. You don't want your kid to carry this. You want him to carry his word. And I love how the Bible says that God's word is spirit and life. When you go home, it's not about just leaving your word there and saying, I'm going to come on Sunday just to get this. I be trying to tell people all the time, take this home with you. Because God wants to get some things out of your heart because some people go through life, most of their life with this. Never being able to experience the abundant life because of that pride, because of that trauma, because of that hurt, because of that guilt and that shame because of something that you've done. When God was saying, I was trying to give you forgiveness. But we have to accept it. We can't live our lives through this lens anymore. And as we come together, as these transitions in our church, how is the content of your heart? Oh, yeah, I'm in somebody's business before. Because the thing is about this, and I can tell you the difference. You can know all the Bible and, all, and do all the works. But what goes through this filter will have a bitter taste. That's why you can be a pastor or somebody that knows the word heavily, and you filter it through this. Oh, my gosh. You come there, you would be like, why do I feel worse than I felt before? Because it went through the the lens of this pride, the pain, the things that he will not or she will not give to God. And so we hurt people. But God wants to heal people so we can heal people. And it only comes through the gospel. It only comes through the love of Jesus Christ because this is hate. I don't love my brother. I ain't going to give anything. Let me hold this little bit back. He don't deserve it. And this is the gospel. I love my brother. Let me give and make that little sacrifice. Let me give away myself. This is the spirit of God. Because our flesh can't do that. This is our flesh. Dirty, beat up. God wants to bring healing and wholeness. Then we're able to love and do what God has called us to do. That's why I love the word of God. And I want you to love the word of God. And if you're not on fire, go home and get in the word of God. So the word of God can transform you. So you can start to make a difference in your family. So you can make a difference in your marriage, so you can make a difference in your life, but God has to get to your heart. So my question, Hope Elam, what is the content of your heart? Will you give your heart to God so he can give you a new one, pure, holy, so your life can look more like this? So when people ask for a drink, they don't taste the pain. They don't taste selfishness. They don't taste greed. I'm telling you, it is making our bodies sick because of what we're drinking. And you wonder why we can't function in this world because we won't let people that know God introduce us to the God that can heal us. He wants to trade in your old life for the new one. God is so good. Acts A man that knew the word of God more than anybody in this room. But he was walking around, ta-ta-ta-ta-ta, killing Christians, beating them down. Until the gospel, the good news came and showed up. And he had a moment with God, an encounter with God that changed everything. The power of the gospel can bring transformation. The power of the gospel can redeem you. Maybe you're in a low place, saying, I'm tired of getting this. Julian, John, can you can you introduce me to this? This brings change. This is the gospel.
0: Amen. Amen. The gospel filter is the only one powerful enough to transform our hearts. Now, you might be wondering, okay, what does that look like? I want that. I want that, Julian. What, what, what does that look like? We get a picture of that in our scripture reading today from Romans chapter 12. Just, just a glimpse, one of, of many. And you look at passages like this, particularly in the epistles and in Paul's writings to these early churches, and you might read it as prescriptive. Of Here's a laundry list of all these things that I got to do to be good enough, to earn God's love, to be a part of his Family, it's almost like a, a prescriptive list, like a doctor gives you a prescription and you got to take that medicine in order to feel better. It's conditional, but scripture doesn't read like that. A deeper dive, it's not prescriptive, it's descriptive. And what Romans 12, what Paul is describing here, is what it looks like when we filter our old stories through the filter of the gospel and we start to look a little bit more like this instead of this. That is what Romans 12 is. Don't just pretend to love each other really love each other. Love each other with genuine affection. Honor each other. Don't be lazy. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Be patient in trouble. Keep on praying. When things are uncertain in your life, when you're stressed out about the future or nervous about where things are going, do you stir up anxiety in people's lives or do you point them back to the character of God that is proven and trusted that we sang about this morning? That's what healthy family does for each other. We live in harmony. We do all that we can to live in peace with everyone. This is what our relationships start to look like every one of those moments we have an opportunity which filter am I going to use am I going to am I I going to filter my thoughts through and my actions through the filter of what my parents handed me through what's easy through what's normal for me or through a gospel filter you see a lot of us want the promise but we're not willing to go through the process A lot of us want this, but we're not willing to go through the filtering process. And what is the filtering process? It's taking all my wounds and all my hurt and all my baggage and all my guilt and all my shame and all the walls that I put up and all of my mechanisms for coping, and we put them through the filter of the gospel. And that's how Jesus starts to purify our hearts and we become different people. We want to go through the process. Instead, what you and I do is we'll say things like this. Maybe you've never done this, but I found myself doing this. When I struggle, when I turn to my, oh, that's just the way I am. When I get offended, when I'm burned out, when I'm tired, when I'm stressed, when I'm fearful about the future, oh, this is just how we do it. This is just how I do it. Oh, this is my normal response. Oh, this is how my family did it. This is just who I am. This is just my personality. Instead, when you filter your thoughts and your actions through the filter of the gospel, the response is this. I have so much to unlearn so that I can become who God says I already am. I have so much to unlearn. I'm not, as the scripture reading said, I'm not going to think of myself more highly than others. I'm going to have a sober view, a humble view of myself. I have so much to grow in. I have so much to learn, to unlearn. Learn. It reminds me of our kids, Julie and I both have younger kids, and they're at that age in their development where they're coming home from school with some pretty interesting vocabulary. And like, you didn't learn that in this house. And I... I That's an interesting word. Do you know what that means? No. Well, let's sit down and talk about it, right? So we have a lot of these family meeting conversations or maybe it's a story. Caleb told me a story the other week. He said, yeah, so and so, one of my buddies said his mom lets him climb out the window onto their roof and they sit out there with all of his brothers until like two o'clock in the morning. Can I do that? Number one, that's a stretch, and number two, uh, his story is a stretch, and number two, this just came out of me, like my, went into parent mode, and I just looked at him and I said, actually, in our family, we choose different. We choose to live differently. Even if she says it's okay, or his parent says it's okay, in our family, we choose different. The other week, he was telling me that some of his friends have started to gossip about some other kids and kind of be bullies and pick on him, and he was with him and he was trying to fit in as a nine-year-old and he felt like he kind of got caught up in it and he had all this guilt and shame that he didn't stick up for him and he kind of fell into it And, and I could have, if I'm using an old filter, I could have passed this down to him and say, yeah, you really screwed up. How could you? But instead, I chose a gospel filter in that moment. I took a breath as a parent and I looked at him and I said, Caleb, That's not who you are. What if we disciplined our kids by reminding them of who they already are and setting some expectation or standard that they're never going to meet? And so that's once in a while we have family meetings in our house and we remind our kids of who they are and who God is. And in a lot of ways, because we're a church family, we have family meetings all the time too. We're having one right now. We'll try to get you out of here by about 2 p.m., the way we're going, all right? But we're having a family meeting, and every time we get together as a church, we get together, and what do we do in worship? We're reminding ourselves of who God is and what he has already done. The gospel is not, what can I do for Jesus? The gospel is not, I'll never be able to live out Romans 12. The gospel is, you are already a part of that family, so just start living like it's true. So when we encounter situations, we don't yell at you, we say, that's not who you are. Because we're choosing to live a different way. And it's especially important that we have these family gatherings that we remind ourselves of what is true and what's not changing. In a season of our church where there's some change going on, particularly in leadership, and there's transitions going on, and we might wonder, well, what's going on? we got to remind ourselves of what's not changing that we are a family of missionary disciples, that that doesn't change, that we are a Christ-centered, Bible-based, spirit-filled, multicultural church that's here in the city of Des Moines. Amen? That's not changing. That's who we are. So we have to remind ourselves of what's true. Do we always get it right? No, but we're not where we were, but we're not quite where we want to be. We're on the way. Amen? And we get a picture of that lived out in Acts chapter 2. I'm not going to read it all to you, but you, you get a picture of the, the glimpse of that the church was living this out. They were just living out what they saw Jesus do and how we related to other people. And what we do is you start looking through that and you see, oh, there's some characteristics of healthy family. I know what my earthly family's like. I know the brokenness and the mistakes that maybe my parents have, have brought but we choose different. In this family, we choose to live different. I'm going to take what I learned from my parents, but I need to unlearn some things as well, and I'm going to go to God's Word. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They met together. They shared everything they had with those in need. They worshiped together. They met in homes. They shared their meals with great joy. The Lord kept blessing them. The Lord kept adding to their number daily, bringing new people and growing the church. This is exactly what God is doing here at Hope Elam. We're not just reading the Word. We're living the Word. Amen? That's what we see. And so we read through that, and these characteristics start to pop up. A few of them that make it easy for you to remember, they all start with C. They started connecting, they started caring for each other, they were navigating conflict, which is not exactly a bad thing, and they started contributing. Let's unpack those one at a time. You look at the early church, it was very clear. It wasn't this. It was a little bit closer to this, and because they were living out the characteristics of a healthy family, it's like they actually wanted to be together. It wasn't just an hour a week. They really liked hanging out. Imagine if, you descri- if I described a family to you and say, here's my family. Um, we get together, we talk about once a week. We get together, and we sit in rows, and we face the front, and then we get up, and we go home. You'd be like, that's a messed up family. <laughs> so let's not do that. Everything changes when we move from rows to circles. What if the heartbeat, what if the point of women's ministry and men's ministry and any event or ministry we do as a church or small groups was not just to read the word. Yes, that's really important, but the point of the word is to be transformed so that we can become brothers and sisters so that we become different kind of people that we become healthy family. That's the point. Is not just to get together and eat and have food and have an event. Who are we becoming? Are we becoming disciples? Are we being changed? Are we being transformed? And every time we gather together, we have an opportunity to live that out, to connect with each other. That's what we're doing in Oneness Embraced. To get together and say, hey, the world says this, but the the gospel says this. I'm going to view racial unity. I'm going to view reconciliation. I'm going to view diversity through the filter of the gospel, not cable news. Or not what the world says or what culture says. I'm going to bring it to God's word and we're going to learn how we can come together as a church. And when we connect, we start to just naturally care for each other. There was a small group uh, a couple weeks ago that... um, uh, I, I learned of this story that somebody in their group had had some m- massive surgery re- really invasive and, and and it really took it out of them and say so they're going to be recovering at home a couple days after I hear that I give them a call just to check in and say hey how you doing and they said oh I'm, I'm doing great I'm like you just had massive surgery you're doing great you're like, oh my small group's been here the whole week yeah we've got every meal provided for and they trim my bushes and mowed my lawn and every we're doing great pastor john we don't need you thank you I'm like no they didn't say that I just said, you got it. You know what I love about that? That's healthy family. Amen. The best way to get cared for in this church is to be a part of a small group of people that you know and that know you. That's healthy family. It's not based on the talents of a few. It's based on the contributions of everybody. That's how we get cared for. And I know that in a very personal way. I didn't share this, but a couple weeks before Easter, I was really sick. I mean, I was, I was not doing, I had Julian and everybody on speed dial, like, I can't do this. I didn't know if I was going to make it through Holy Week. I was really sick, and what blessed me so much, and I just wanted to tell you, because I can't have individual conversations with all of you, so many of you, especially those that I've just met in the last year through this merger, reached out to me and just said, calls, emails, texts, everything, hey, we're praying for you, we love you, how are you doing, do you need anything? And what blessed me the most is it wasn't hello, Holy Reverend, Pastor John, PJ, whoever you are. It was, hey, John, we care about you. We love you. That it was treated and reminded all of us that pastors are not up on some pedestal. We're human beings that get stressed out and we get sick sometimes and we need to rest and we get overwhelmed and we need family around us. Amen? We need each other. We need each other. We care for each other. And yet the reality is, is that the same people that love you the most sometimes get on your nerves the most. Amen? You know this. You're sitting next to them right now. Turn to them right now and say, it's you. It's actually you, right? You get on my nerves the most. In healthy family, though, we know how to navigate conflict. And I know some of you have maybe been burned by the church. Some of you have had a bad experience. Some of you, there's been a ministry decision that's rubbed you the wrong way and you're struggling, and you're saying, well, in my family, it was fight or flight. The problem is with that saying, I don't know where it came from, but it's not in the Bible. (laughs) Instead, you start looking at the way that the early church handled conflict, and it was neither. It was neither. Over 25 times in the New Testament, this phrase, each other, keeps coming. Love each other. Care for each other. Forgive each other. Be patient with each other. I'm like, why is Paul saying that over and over again? Because if they had an issue with somebody, there wasn't anywhere else to go. There was one church. There's no third Baptist church of Philippi that you could go down the street and say, I'm going to go down there. And they're going to meet my needs better because there was one church and you needed each other. And so we saw in the early church is this, go ahead and go to the next slide, is this truth in healthy families? Conflict isn't something to be avoided. It's an opportunity to be refined. Some of you are saying, I've gotten burned by my small group. I got burned by the church. There's two things fire can do. It can burn you, or if you stay in it long enough, it'll refine you like gold. And some of us are missing out on that. We want the promise without going through the process. And so when I'm hurting, when I'm offended, when I'm fearful, what if instead of saying, why God, We opened our fist and said, What, God? What are you trying to show me? Because I will tell you this. Some of the very people and circumstances and situations that you're in right now are the ones you're trying to avoid, but those are the very people and circumstances that God is sending you to help you look more like Jesus. And we want to run away from them, including conflict. Healthy families don't fight or flight. They learn to love each other well. And when we've been loved well, then we can contribute. Then we're all in. That's what healthy families do. It's not just a few parts of the body. We don't consume. Everybody contributes. Let's read it together from Ephesians 4. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Everybody say each part. part. It's each part. It's not the guys on stage. It's not the men and women that are in leadership. Each part does its work. And we don't look around and compete with other people. We look around and say, I want to honor you. I want to lift you up. I want you to live into your calling. And when every part does its work, the ministry grows. Pastor Hurst says, I'm going to go and I'm going to take my ministry to the streets and work with citywide ministry to what God's calling me to do. Praise God because the ministry multiplies. It's a change. It's different. But the ministry multiplies. God uses Julian and his his past with sports to go and connect with fellowship of Christian athletes, to go into our schools to our students that are desperate for the love of Jesus, the ministry multiplies and we bless him and we say, go and step into your calling. The teams that we have here as a church, we could not do it without you, are led by you, by volunteers, every part doing its work. And when we do that, the sky's the limit. When we do that, no eye is seen, no ear is heard what God is capable of here at Hope Elam. Imagine with us... If all of us together, right? Imagine with us. Julian's gonna paint that picture of when we are a healthy family. Brother, what could that look like? Thank you, John. It can look like heaven
1: on earth. And in this, as we wrap up and get to the end of the sermon, I want you to imagine. Because it's one to have sight, it's another to have vision. We need to imagine what it looks like being free from addiction. Imagine what it looks like walking in wholeness and walking in love, walking in your healed state of mind instead of the hurt state of mind. What does it look like to see a community transformed by a church on a hilltop that is shining so brightly That even the darkest corners of our city can be touched. What does it look like for your kids or your children to be able to have a bright future where they walk in boldness and on fire for God? Because the truth be told, you look around the world. You can run away from it if you want to. I can promise you this: there will be a day where you have to meet your maker. I, can't, I can point you to him, but I can't do the work for you. Those that seek him will find him, right? Because it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the glory of kings to search it out. When his word comes alive in us, it changes us. And maybe you're thinking, well, I grew up in the church and I still got this thing. Well, well, well. let the word wash you then. Let it rinse you. Don't go to try to find a way out. God is, God provided a way out. His name is Jesus. So when you're in the word, look for Jesus. He'll give you eyes to see. He'll give you ears to hear. And the funny thing about every Sunday is like, the gospel is very simple. (laughs) But we find different ways to make sermons out of the same thing. We use the same ingredients. Jesus came when we were sinners, broken, ashamed. And he came. And he did what we could not do. He was perfect. He didn't break one law. He didn't sin one time. He showed a bunch of love and kindness, gave a bunch of promises for those that would receive it. Even was so cool that he decided to heal some people just to show you that he is who he says he is. And then he got to the point where he was at the finish line. And it's that finish line at the cross that allows you to have a fresh start in your life. God wants to give you a new filter. God wants to give you a new lens. God wants to give you a new life where you receive it. Because what you receive and let it wash over your body and cleanses you of all unrighteousness, guess what? It'll fall down to your kids and then their children and then their children. And before you know it, the world is starting to look a little bit more like heaven. See, God is looking for some people that are willing to get in the fight. I love where God has taken this church because in the midst of a pandemic where everybody's yapping and people are hurting and in pain, there was still a God that still reigns. There's a God that still loves and John and Hurst and Hope and Elon, they came together and said, we're gonna do something that the world has never seen and we're gonna to come together. We're gonna to bring our families together We're going to come together in covenant. We're going to come through and we're going to have some conflict. We're going to have some hurt and some pain, but is it worth it for the gospel to get further? I don't know about you guys, but I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. I want to walk in his mercy every day. And it's important for us to, to give that away. That's the good news. Simplify Be who God has created you to be. Let's get into these communities through FCA or let's volunteer for what Hearst is doing or volunteer for what God is doing through this church. Get in these small groups. Come on Wednesday night. Get your hands dirty. Be a part of what God is doing in the earth. Amen. And I want to encourage you that this can only be a, real, a reality. If you have a personal relationship with God, church is great, hallelujah. But being at home in His presence, there's something that falls off of you that you won't take to church with you on Sunday. So I am telling you, there's freedom in Christ Jesus. He's here, but He's also at home. The love of God, it's the love of God that covers a multitude of sins. It's perfect love that casts out all fears. It is his blood that brings redemption. It is new life in Christ Jesus. It is the rinsing, oh my gosh, it is the rinsing of his word over your life, giving you a new mind, Romans, oh my God. And before you know it, you're a new person. When people come to work, oh my gosh, they'd be like, what is wrong with Sally today? She got a little pep in her step and she walking with her chest up and her head held high because she was touched by grace. Oh, my God. She just stepped into the presence of God. And now she's on fire. And all she is doing, they say she talks too much. But at least what she's given now has some substance. Jesus. So I'm telling us, hope Elam, stick around to what God is about to do. Because the new wine, was, and the best wine, was saved for last. Drink from the cup that never runs dry. Thank you.
0: Stand and worship together. Let's stand and worship.
1: Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.